When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city, this is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1... To Jeff Cameron Show 93.3, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. On a Balls McWednesday, if you're just tuning in, Adam Fuller will join us this hour. In fact, it will be in the next segment. We'll have a chance to talk to Adam. Looking forward to talking to Florida State's defense coordinator. A lot of roster and uh, personnel uh, upgrades and changes and, uh, and expectations, that's for sure. So as we mentioned in hour one, really excited to talk to him about what possibilities uh, lie in wait for Florida State as they get set for spring football practice. It'll be here before you know it as we have our scheduled luncheon set up for next week and an opportunity again to uh, pick the brains of the coaches and players before they get started in what should be a highly competitive spring football practice uh, series of practices. I should say Tom noted it last hour. It is true. It's kind of a Nobody wants to not have spring break, Tom, but I have to admit it is a little bit of a tease to get a few days worth of practices only to have to stop for a week and then come back. But, you know, it beats the alternative, I guess. I mean, something's better than nothing. Well, yeah, and it gives you acclimation, too. You do your acclimation, you get it out of the way, and I think it's probably more valuable to take that break to the freshmen and the newcomers than it is to the veterans. And that'll be something I'm interested to see because of so many holdovers again. We saw it to kick off fall camp before the season opener against Duquesne that those first couple of days were almost like mid mid flow of camp level of intensity, speed in those practices because they didn't have to teach a whole lot of play, a whole bunch of players new things. And so I would anticipate that spring is going to be from the jump Monday, March 6th, right in the flow as though they've been doing this for weeks on end. If you're a freshman, though, I'm sure that that's got to be really daunting already seen some of the newcomers that are here as early enrollees talk about how the tour of duty workouts they look easy and then I do them and then they're really really hard <laughs> that's going to be the same thing for camp so when you come back from spring break those kids will probably have a chance to say 
Whew, okay, this is what I need to bring every day, and you move forward from there. The legacy of working really hard. Uh, a lot of times, guys that come in and help reshape your program, we bring up Jermaine Johnson a lot, but guys like him that come in and show you what it means to work hard, especially when you're learning how to win, is a very big deal. And uh, we, we can talk a lot about leadership, sometimes I think too much, but there's where you see real leadership is when it's hard. When guys are really, really sucking wind and struggling uh, to get through the days because they've never had to work that hard, especially if you're a newcomer who's a freshman. You just alluded to freshmen. Man, the first time you get to a college program and they take you through workouts, it's unlike anything you've ever done before in a lot of cases. Sometimes you're coming from a place that didn't have the facilities to make you uh, to, to push you as hard as you could be pushed, or they didn't have the overall acumen as a staff to be able to do it. And most high schools aren't college staffs, of course. Not everywhere is IMG. So you don't know what it's like to have to work hard. It's funny. That's true at every level. I remember talking to a buddy of mine, Tommy Carter. I've mentioned him a lot. He played professional football for almost a decade, played at Notre Dame. When I ran into him after he had gone to the NFL, I think he was in year two when I ran into him. And I said, what's the biggest difference besides the speed? Because everybody talks about the speed. And that's true for high school kids going to college, just as it's true from college going to pro. And he said, man, the workouts are so efficient. I like it more. He said, we know exactly what we're doing all the time. It's all laid out. It is here to here to here. This is what you're going to eat. This is how hard you're going to work on this muscle group today. These are the movements we need you to perfect. We'll measure what percentage of that muscle you're using at this point. We'll go and we'll gravitate towards these goals. And you'll know with no uncertain terms, when I go into the facility today, this is what has to be done. It's a cool thing, but it's also really hard. These kids coming in now are going to get Coach Storms going over to them. He's going to assess who they are, what they are, what they're capable of, what they're not capable of, how much they need to eat, how much less they need to eat, depending on the person, obviously. And then he'll put them through the paces. And it's so cool to watch people transform to learn what it means to work hard, but it's so much easier to learn that lesson when it's a player, a veteran player who takes you under his wing, who had to go through that same process. It's, it's true of life, right? We hear our parents tell us stuff all the time. Later on, we learned that much of what they were telling us was accurate. At the time they were telling us when we were 14, 15, 16, you didn't want to hear that nonsense. There was no life's wisdom that had been shown to you at this point. And then later on, you go back and look at it. So it's so much easier when it's up here is what I'm getting at. When it's up here, when it's somebody who's just two years removed from having done this, walking over to you and saying, hey, you know what, big guy? That ain't going to get it. That ain't going to get it. We got to do this, this, and this every day. If you want to get to where you want to go, which I know is the NFL, and we want to win championships around here, you got to put in the time. You got to put in the work. This is how that looks. And maybe he learned that lesson from some other veteran. And then that's when you build a culture. It's now. This is when you build a culture of championship-level workouts, practices, and play. And so I think this is why coaches, oh, they all love spring. I used to get annoyed. I remember going to spring football. Like, why do we care so much about spring? I mean, it's months before, before we play our first game. I mean, can we just get a, slow our roll out here? No, man. This is when the habits are being built is yeah. what they'll tell you. I realize that now. I didn't realize it as a player. Yeah, and, and it makes total sense. And Coach Norvell spoke to that when you had the one-on-one -on -one interview, that it's it's turning into a player-led program. And I think if this all works out, and it is it is trending heavily, it's minus, what do you think, 500 right now. This is going to work out for Mike Norvell. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
uh, you, some could say by definition, the extension is proof that it already has worked out. It's just going to be interesting that when you write about it from the, the past tense perspective, it's like the transfer portal was able to substitute for the player-led program thing happening organically. It was able to speed up that process because when you bring in a ton of players through the portal, they all by nature have a chip on their shoulder and a motivation that they wouldn't otherwise because of whatever failure or whatever oversight that they believe happened in their past. That's why they're here. So I don't have to worry about whether Braden Fisk is motivated or Jamie Robinson was or Jermaine, Keir Thomas, Jordan Travis. You go down the list of all the transfers that have been here, and there are many of them, dozens of them. You don't have to worry about where their motivation comes from. And if it was still the old system where you couldn't bring in that many transfers, it might have taken an extra year or two to build that culture organically where players pass it down from the veterans to the younger guys. But this has kind of sped it up. And it'll be interesting to see the fruits of those labors uh, come the tour of duty workout next Thursday that we get to go see and then spring camp. But by all accounts, I don't think Mike Norvell would go and be effusive in saying that it's happening if it wasn't. Uh, I expect to see that kind of leadership and, and those moments that we've documented all too often. Dylan Gibbons pulling guys aside, Fabian Lovett, Jared Verse. You've seen that passing on of the knowledge. That's always cool to see. And these guys tend to like each other. We'll see what they're like this season, though, in terms of that camaraderie. It's cool. You're naming one of the great aspects of the portal that gets overlooked a little bit there. It can be used as a cheat code. It can be used as a shortcut. Yep. Uh, you are able to not have to wait on just the mere passage of time to insert player uh, that's plus level. You, you could just go find him. He's right there and he's coming in now. But what they have done, and you, you know this, and Adam Fuller, our next guest, uh, has mentioned it to me. They've been very good with the vetting process because it can also be a nightmare. I don't look at it quite the same way that I used to look at junior college players. Every now and then when you look at junior college players, there was a diamond in the rough. There was a guy that, for whatever reason, maybe his school wasn't set up in a way that helped him academically or didn't help him or put him in a position where he could hit the ground running as he went off to university for the first time. And therefore, you know, he, he met some resistance and struggled and had to go to a JUCO. And then he came in, but he was a good kid. He was a good kid. He just didn't have the tools, got those tools through two years at JUCO and came in and, and hit the ground running. But a lot of times that wasn't the case at all. A lot of times you got kids who had real problems in their background, kids who didn't work hard, kids who did have real problems in the classroom, kids who struggled to get right on and off the field. And you were kind of taking a chance on a kid that was a junior college kid. And you took that chance based on percentage of risk. He runs a 4-3. I'll take a chance. I'll take a chance. Maybe it'll work out. He runs a 4-3. You know, maybe we can get something out of him. The portal's not that. The portal's not that. It's clearly. And if you do it right, the way that Florida State has, you may be assuming no risk. If you have fully vetted that kid in the way that this group has, you may be assuming zero risk because you know what you have. Now, unless that kid is borderline a sociopath and looked you right in the eyes and was able to convince you of something otherwise. But these guys have proven they've done a good job of character as well as player assessment. I, I really think that that's where Florida State has had a distinct advantage is that they've got guys that they can plug and play who do not disrupt the culture, but elevate the culture. Yeah, that's, that's that's a difference maker. With NIL and the portal hand in hand, there's this thought that there's mercenaries only. You know, and, and that's just not the case. Uh, you're looking for somebody who's motivated, yes, and is out to do the best by themselves, yes, but aren't, aren't we all? Oh, like, yeah, you have to, yeah. 
there's a fine line between being a mercenary and then being somebody who's motivated, you know, and that's what this vetting process is all about for the coaching staff. The thing is for them, just like anything else, it gets harder because we are attracting a better caliber of athletes. So in a sense, it's easier in a way to look at a three-star or an unheralded player who's going to work really hard because there are a bunch of those and bring those into your program. But when you get to that level of separation between the pretty good, might be a bit of a project athlete to the guy that everybody wants, that class, it's so much smaller and you've got to be so much more precise and calculate, you know, does the kid have any interest in staying in the state of Florida, coming to the state of Florida? He's got choices galore, Georgia, Ohio state, Alabama, Oklahoma, USC. Does he like us enough? And if so, is he a fit? And if there aren't enough of those guys, how do you find that balance? So the puzzle gets more difficult. It's now a 2,500-piece puzzle instead of a 500-piece puzzle. And we'll see if their evaluation can continue to go. But they've been so very good at it so far, bringing in guys that check all the boxes. Are they athletic enough? Yes. Are they smart enough? Yes. Are they going to be a problem? No. It's just it's been really fun to see that. You know, you got to duplicate it over and over and over again, though. One of the architects and one of those that they count on a lot to get that done right is Adam Fuller. He's our guest next on the Jeff Cameron Show, the Florida State Defensive Coordinator. Coming up, stay with us. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the cameron show is a production of the warchant.com multimedia network check out warchant.com today for the latest news inside florida state athletics that's warchant.com now back to jeff on real talk 93.3 welcome back jeff cameron show 93.3 real talk radio warchant tv as we mentioned last hour and again at the beginning of this hour we're very excited to welcome in florida state defensive coordinator adam fuller he joins me now on the program and as always we thank you for your time, Coach. How you doing? I'm doing great, Jeff. How are you? Great, great. I'm really looking forward to spring. How excited are you about spring, man? The competition's going to be intense. You've got depth for the first time in a long time at almost every position. You've got newcomers. Are you as enthusiastic, one would assume, as I am about watching this thing play out? Yeah, I just, I mean, be honest with you, you know, with where we're going in our direction right now, the foundation that we've created, just I'm excited about every dang day we've been here right now. I mean, we finished that bowl game and about a week later we got started on the, on the 23 season. And, you know, we've got a great group of young guys that, you know, I don't want to say they know what it takes, but there's a history of our structure put in place right now. And, you know, I'm just really excited about, you know, each day there's a trust level now and and the push is, is there. I'll get to the players, Coach, because we've got a lot to document here. But really quickly, let's start with uh, the newest addition to the staff and Patrick Sertan. 
what stood out to you in the in the interview process? What were you looking for, and what excites you the most about adding him to the staff? You know, Jeff, when you have to make a hire, um, you know, somebody, you know, uh, on our staff, you know, there's ten full time coaches. When it comes, there's always a list, and so you know, when this went down with Marcus. You know, me and Mike spoke and, you know, he kind of asked me my opinion, what what my list was. And we both kind of listened to each other of just, you know, I'll come up with two names and he may have one name and, you know, we'll go back and forth. And then he'll say, all right, why don't you, you know, you start the process with with the guys that you want to start the process with. And, you know, we had gotten going maybe a couple of days and it just came to my mind about Pat. You know, I had met him when he was at Heritage. Obviously, we recruited a bunch of kids from there. Uh, I knew Josh Boyer, the, the former defense coordinator for the Dolphins. Uh, I knew Brian Flores when he was there. So, you know, I called Josh, you know, about Pat and, you know, and he spoke, you know, just really high regards about him. And we knew it would be a great recruiting fit. We knew it would be a great regional fit. Um, and so I called Mike and Mike said, you know, I think that's a great thought. And so now it's just about me getting to know Pat and they were still playing. So, you know, that offered its own, uh, timing issues, but, you know, we made sure to carve out different hours of time throughout the day for a couple of days there. So just so that me and him could really get to know each other. And, um, you know, it, it felt good knowing that I had people that I knew in the past that, that had worked with him. Um, we knew from a recruiting standpoint, we, and then just the personality was, was I had to get through that and, and make a connection there. And, you know, that happened very quickly for me and him. And so, you know, went to Mike, thought it was a go, and, and we made the hire and the offer. Moving from him added to the staff to player personnel, Coach, uh, you lose Jamie Robinson at safety. What are you hoping to learn this spring about that position group? And I don't know, might there be some position changes in order to help out there? Yeah, I, I think importantly, I mean, you know, we're always trying to grow, especially in the back end, some position flexibility, you know, it, you know, at the end of the season, you know, we had Kevin Knowles playing free safety for some snaps. And I don't that's not ideally where I want to put Kevin, but it just shows you that, like, we're we got to be prepared for those moments. You know, Akeem Dent used to be a starting corner year. Renato Green used to be a starting safety. Um, and so that flexibility is important to me. Um, but also, you know, you, you got to create roles. I think the, as soon as you can create some roles you know, and even if the role is flexibility, you know, it's all part of trying to adjust and adapt. Uh, but I'm going to move Amari and I'm going to move Duke Cooper back to safety this spring. Um, that'll create um, some competition, but also a place that, you know, similar to Akeem's move that I think could offer um, some real highlighted featured plays by, by Duke. I think he's a smart, reliable player. Um, you know, I think we've got some depth at corner um, in, you know, there's just a lot of factors going to, I think, him developing a really niche in our program at that spot um, and, you know, add him in with Akeem, add him in with Shaheem, um, and then, you know, with the young guys and Travis Jay and, and trying to build that depth there. Um, but, you know, even now in the offseason, I mean, we're, we're working through with Renardo Green, we're working through with Jerry and Jones, we're working through with Azaria Thomas at nickel. Um, you know, and whether that's all going to end there, I don't know, but it's all, you know, part of building that flexibility, but also honing in on, on, on the details of the spots. Yeah. In the sense of flexibility and getting the best guys on the field, your best players, coach, any other position changes throughout that defense that we need to know about heading into spring or anything that you feel comfortable discussing in that regard? 
Yeah, not really. I mean, obviously we're going to kick Dennis Briggs back inside for the most part, uh, but that does get flexible. I'm looking at some four, um, you know, even some, even if we were putting some three defensive tackle packages on the field, we've played some three defensive end packages on third downs a lot. Uh, but now just with some of our depth inside of, you know, just some even, you know, some five D line packages, just some different ways to, to offer flexibility for the personnel that, that we've acquired, developed, um, and, you know, just that's all the excitement of building towards this new team. Coach, I thought just you know, tell me if you think I'm wrong. I thought late in the season, you just mentioned Dennis. I, I thought he looked a lot better real late in the season than he did early. And obviously, when you're coming off an injury, we know where he was projected to go. This was a kid that was really kind of moving up and I thought I had a chance to be a, a great football player. Was I wrong in my observation to think he looked much better late in the year, looked more like himself late in the year uh, than he did early in the season, obviously coming off that injury that he suffered against Louisville? Yeah, I think you're right on, Jeff. I think the bowl game was one of his better games since pre-injury two years ago. And so, you know, these guys get clear and they get, you know, some surgeries and they got things done to their bodies that they got to adjust with. And, you know, some of it comes with confidence. Some of it comes with with the physical adjustments. Uh, But, you know, Dennis has had a really good set of a couple of weeks right now in workouts. And um, I've always felt highly of Dennis. I think his skill set with his size, um, his intelligence, who he is as a, as a young man, I, I think he's part of the answer here at Florida State as far as playing dominant football. And, um, you know, he's definitely somebody that I think will have a really good year. You know, I thought he definitely had a more productive end of the year than he did at the beginning of the year. You know, some of that had to do with just probably – Coming back from the injury, some of it had to do with just moving him around on the defensive front. Um, but I think he fits a lot of the a lot of the hits that you're looking for at that position and as a person. Let's look at the newcomers, Coach. Um, start with the transfers. Your thoughts on Fintrell Cypress, Braden Fisk. I'll let you go through all of them. Gilbert Edmond, Daryl Jackson, those guys. I know fans are excited to hear about those players. Yeah, you could start up front. And, you know, Daryl, um, you know, I feel like that, you know, that was the first school I went to when I got the job here. I went to see Corey Fuller. He was a head coach at Gadsden County. And obviously Josh Farmer was there and Daryl was there. And, um, you know, we made a decision early on to go on Josh. He was one of the first commitments we had here. Um, and then obviously Daryl went a different direction. And and now it came full circle and we've got him back home. And, um, you know, I think we're really fortunate to have him. I mean, I think he's got, you know, an extremely high ceiling and you've seen tremendous, you know, you talk about growth by individuals that have been in the program for a while. His growth of day one of workouts to where it is now, he's as improved as anybody in our football program. And I'm saying that by somebody that's played two years of college football. And so, you know, just, you know, when you were able to bring a person where his really where his heart is and his family is and and then be able to see that growth tangibly on a football field, I'm excited. I think he'll he'll offer us something that um is important, just a, a force in the middle of the defense that can ban double teams, but athletic enough to win all single blocks. Um, you know, the other one that we brought was Braden Fisk. You know, Braden's a little bit, you know, coming back from an injury, but he's everything we wanted. I mean, he's over 300 pounds right now, um, you know, and he's locked in on every detail that we're trying to push on him. And, you know, he's somebody that will bring a lot of impact, I think, on the defensive front. And then Gilbert. Um, you know, Gilbert was another person, you know, we were, we were in his, we recruited him right when he got here. It was kind of fast recruiting. We had, you know, quick decisions. Um, and, 
you know, he ended up going to South Carolina, had a couple good years, had a really productive year last year. Um, you know, good frame, good athleticism. Football's still a little bit new to him, but to see the growth and through the recruitment of, you know, when Gilbert talked to me and said, you know, just when games would end, how quickly he would go and, you know, watch himself and, and, and the things that he was able to tell me about his own game, you know, show a lot of insight for a young football player. And, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to be immediately thrust into our rotation. Um, and I think he's got a really high ceiling. I think he's got a chance to be be a really good player. You know, in the back end, um, you know, Fentrell, um, you know, just the first time I talked to him, you know, he was our type of young man. I mean, he's a diligent worker, um, you know, smart, uh, family-oriented uh, per- person, and just, you know, everybody you talked over at UVA had great things to say about him, you know, even when he's leaving. So, you know, and then his production spoke for itself. You know, he, you know, they, that was a uh, tough year over at UVA for all different reasons. Uh, but, you know, to see, to see Fentrell consistently show up and be a playmaker. And he showed up here and, you know, he was a little bit, um, you know, it took a little bit of adjustment for him. But, I mean, he is, he's everything that I knew he was that, that time that I flew down there to Charlottesville to go see him for the first time. So, you know, I think we've, we've done a good job of bringing in good fits here and, Looking forward to see how that looks like out on the field. Yeah, Coach, I think you've hit on a formula. You and I talked about it last year before the start of the season. I asked you the question about the things you're looking for in the transfer portal, and you guys have a set of parameters. It can't just be that they're a good football player. It has to be a bunch of other things. And, then you know, this is a national story where people will talk about Florida State and how well Florida State has done in the portal. You have to be really proud of the fact that you guys have an idea of what you're looking for. And it's not just athleticism. It's not just a need. It's one of many things. I won't ask you to go through the entire checklist, but one of the reasons that the culture has been really good is because those newcomers that you've brought in haven't upset the apple cart, but rather pulled it in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, there's no question. I mean, you got to get the inside locker room right before you worry about what's going to happen when they leave the locker room. You know, because that's the place they go back to. That's the place they start each day. That's the place they end each day. And just everybody's not going to be the same personality-wise. Um, but if you can create and, and just recruit the, the the same mindset throughout 110, 115 people in a locker room, and that goes, you know, from your star players to your walk-ons. I mean, they're all, um, if as long as they're all like-minded and all improvement-driven, you know, you, you got a chance and, and care about others. I think that's a big part of it. You know, the the selfless of the individuals um, is really, you know, where this locker room starts. Uh, and um, we've been able to recruit guys on both sides of the ball that have kind of um, fit into that equation. And, you know, now it's just about, you know, the workouts are great because that is able to create some continuity and some work ethic and some their own struggles. But when you get out on there on that field and you really have to rely on other people doing their job for you to be able to do yours because it impacts you, I think that's when you can really commit, you can connect a lot of those relationships. Final couple of things here, Coach. Who are some of the younger players who played a year ago that you think have a chance uh, to take a big league forward and earn more reps coming up this fall? Uh, guys that you saw a lot of uh, in their first year and you feel good about uh, them taking the next step? Well, Jeff, we're getting to a point in our program now that it's, it's you know, that's a not a tough question because, you know, you've got guys like Shaheen Brown that played over 300 snaps. Uh, but with Jamie moving on and just with his development, Shaheen, like I think he's going to be a major impact player in the nation next year. I think he's got that skill. I think he's got that mindset. 
Um, so, you know, that's somebody that I don't know if he's new to it, but I think, yeah, you know, yeah. is, is really important to us. I think in the secondary is Zaria Thomas, you know, he again played over 300 snaps as a true freshman, um, you know, but, you know, that's, we've had a couple of DBs that come in here as freshmen, Duke Cooper and Kevin Knowles, then Shaheem as a redshirt freshman. And now is that have all hit. And I think, you know, we've got a chance to see a, another better year from Azaria. You know, linebacker, you know, Omar Graham's the one I'll bring up because he 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 didn't play. He played in, you know, a lot of the a lot of time allotted games when we were up late, but you know, he was somebody that we were really high on when he came out of Stranahan High School, and we're still really high on him. And you know, he finds the ball, the ball finds him, and he's got the skills and he's got the mindset and he's got the personality. And he's just got the skills. And so I think, you know, putting him up there with that top group this spring is important to me. Um, you know, I spoke to Coach Shannon, like that's that's a move that we're I mean, he's going to get thrust into the action. And uh, I, I think we'll like what happens from there. You know, up front, you know, we st- already saw the the Patrick Payton, you know, when we made that push to get him involved um, and just saw him grow. Josh Farmer, you know, the first time we had to play him in because of injuries. But then as the season went on, when guys came back, we still saw his time uh, be able to play through. Um, so those are important guys. And then a guy like Daniel Lyons, who, you know, he's like Omar that mm-hmm. didn't play much, you know, not like Azaria, but we, we see there's a lot of potential there for him. Um, you know, he's put on good weight. He's over 305 pounds now. And, you know, he's always been a good mover and he's somebody that I think there's a lot of good football in. Final thing, coach, and I'll let you go. I know you're busy. Uh, big picture stuff here as we sign off. What's the area on your defense where you thought you had the most amount of success and areas in which you think you need to see improvement? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the most success was just, you know, every year we've gotten better. Um, we've gotten better. in in what I consider just watching us play and what defense needs to look like. And we've made it a lot of strides in just playing better connective defense. And, uh, you know, that shows up statistically, but it shows up more so in just the work in day to day. You know, I think we've made a lot of, made a lot of strides in just attacking the passer. Um, You know, we graduated two really good defenses a year before, you know, and we replaced it you know, with a couple other good players this past year. And I thought we've gotten good production out of that. You know, I thought we did a good job of limiting explosives uh, with how we had to play last year. Um, and I thought our guys did a good job. I mean, every time you give up one, that's too many. But I thought we did a pretty good job of keeping the ball in front of us. You know, I thought we started to turn up our pressure a little bit more last year, um, just number wise. But, you know, it's something that we're continuing, like we want to attacking isn't always just with certain ways like certain pressures it's it's a mindset but you know I think there were times that you know I really thought that we could handle the adjustments and the pressures that we we wanted to start to get to I think each year that stuff just starts to build and I think just the more we can do this time of year the more our kids will be ready to tackle what's what what shows up in the fall and I just think with the depth that we have returning and you know, guys with good experience, I think we can put a lot more on their plate and just excited about the entirety of the group. Coach, appreciate the time. I'll see you next week. The luncheon, we get going. It's all ready to be uh, a big part of the daily conversation around here. Appreciate you as always, Coach. Appreciate your support. See you guys. All right. Be good. Bye. That's the defensive coordinator at Florida State, Adam Fuller, kind enough to join us here on the Jeff Cameron Show, and we'll be back. React to that momentarily. 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. Again, our thanks to Adam Fuller, D.C., Florida State University. Really good conversation, I thought, as always, and something I like about him and really this coaching staff, quite frankly. Uh, their candor is greatly appreciated. We were able to ask some direct questions, got some direct answers there, and that was uh, very much appreciated. So the big news uh, that we can take from that interview, certainly, is that uh, Duke Cooper moving to safety. And I'm not surprised, necessarily. Uh, I thought that's why I asked the question. Kind of thought they might have to do something regarding – uh, the safety position. I think the other part of that, Tom, as we react to the interview, is um, that is lofty praise for Shaheem Brown. And I love Shaheem, and I'm not surprised about that either, but the way in which he went out of his way to tell you that he thinks he can be a star, that he thinks he's going to be one of the better players in the secondary uh, in the country. So that was exciting to hear. Shaheem's got the work ethic. He's got the athleticism. He's got a whole lot of intuition and instinct uh, about the game. Uh, he's, he's a hard hitter. He plays fast. That's exciting. You can see why they're really excited about what they have to work with this year. If he's the guy that replaces Jamie Robinson, at least positionally, it's going to be tough to do so in terms of production and, and impact. Like He could be an impact player and still not be as good as Jamie Robinson was for stretches of the last couple of seasons. That means that you're going to have a knockdown drag out battle at safety between Akeem Dent and Omarion Cooper. And we'll see if there's anybody else who enters the fray. But you take Omarion out of the corner conversation and you move him to safety. You love Shaheem. That means it's Dent, Cooper there. And then the corner battles that you're going to have on the outside. Uh, Deuce Cypress is the, the nickname that he was given originally, but Fentrell is what he wants to be called. Fentrell Cypress is going to be one of those answers, we think. Certainly wasn't any backing off of praise from Adam Fuller for Cyprus uh, at, in that interview. Uh, then it's Azarie versus Greedy Vance for the slot with Kevin Knowles. Uh, Jarion gets in the conversation there and maybe some of the younger kids. Interesting. I, I feel like it is more fleshed out than, than before we talked to Adam Fuller in terms of what we can expect for position battles in the spring. I thought there would be cross-training galore, but if he's willing to say that Omarion Cooper is going to be at safety for the balance of spring, then, okay, that's one place that you can look at and know before we go there on March 6th, that's what you're going to see. Now it just comes down to the corner battles. Yeah, and he's obviously got uh, Azaria as the nickel corner. That was interesting as well. And that's then I think something else to take away is the fact that um, my hunch about Dennis Briggs was right. And I listen, Daryl Jackson is clearly a guy that he thinks is going to start. I mean, it sounds like he thinks he's going to be a huge contributor and that maybe Braden Fist is going to take some time. I'm not, I'm not surprised to hear that too. Coming off the injury, a uh, big, strong kid. He's got the requisite weight. To me, if you were going to bet on who is of more value early in the season in terms of reps and, and, and you see out there more often, Daryl Jackson, high on that list, Braden Fist going to take some time. 
Well, yeah, and, and certainly if not early in the season, then early in the coverage of what we're doing and what yeah. the media is doing in general as we're covering spring because you can only report on the guys who are able to participate up and down. It, it sounds like they're at least you know, not expecting that, that Braden's going to be up to the same level that Daryl Jackson is. And, and Daryl's only a junior, a true junior, which is good. Um, but it, it could be a money year for him. So again, it's just, it's, it's so much fun when you break down these things and you take a look at transfer portal motivation. They've got motivation across the board at all these positions, not, not just to play and get more reps, but there's a money year element for so many of these guys. Fisk is in his final year of eligibility. So is Fabian Lovett. So, you know, it's self-evident there, but across the board on this defense, Duke Cooper's got a crap ton to prove in 2023 if he's moving positions that's really i mean he's got everything to prove about what he's going to be as an nfl potential prospect and i didn't even say renardo green's name when i was talking about corner so if renardo didn't come up as a position change that means that fentrell and renardo could be on the edges at corner and then azaria is the answer closer to the football on the slot that squeezes out kevin Knowles, who has a lot to prove this campus it's just you can see the pieces moving now and the challenge that's being issued across the board. This is fun. He mentioned that they played Kevin late in the year at safety. And that quote, that's not necessarily where I want him. So, you know, that was a a point to make that they're trying to, in essence, have flexibility, but it's also perhaps his way of saying that that's not what he's best suited to do and that they have found other answers. So Knowles is going to have to have a great spring. I think it's an important spring for Kevin Knowles in order to sustain the rep counts that he's been getting. But the problem is he's coming off of an injury, and we'll see if he's, he's 100%. As uh, that's he true. Through. I mean, so you lose valuable time, and this is how you get passed over. I mean, yeah, this is, you know, so is. There is urgency across the board here, and here's the one you know little cog in the wheel that doesn't fit perfectly right now. You've got a new defensive backs coach who's going to have ideas of his own too. Like this is the guidance from above from the defensive coordinator as we enter spring. But Patrick Sertan's going to be empowered to take a look at these things and, and perhaps experiment himself. This might be the consensus that they've come to, but you know, defensive back moves change all the time and positions sure. change all the time. So this is a timestamp for now. This is what we're going to cover for that first week of spring and coming back from spring break, certainly at practice. But it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out because what if Sertan sees something different in a player like a Renardo or Duke Cooper? It's going to be fun. This is uh, there's there's no shortage of storylines specifically in the secondary, but this whole defense is the key to pushing Florida State over the finish line towards the playoff. I will not ignore the fact that the the name Travis J was on the man's lips. Yeah, he yeah. said Travis J as well, and so you know every time we're looking for that glimmer of hope that something's going to be made of the immense talent that Travis J has. You know, you get a little bit of a nugget. You get a kernel. You know, he he wouldn't have mentioned him if he wasn't part of the plans. He wouldn't have mentioned him if he didn't think he had a shot. You know, he he threw it out there on his own. I didn't ask about Travis J. So it's like, all right, uh, he's become kind of my pet cause. I'd like to see something become of Travis J. And I think that's everybody who loves Florida State and who has a glimpse of this kid's athleticism, who saw him play in high school who got a glimmer here and there when he was on the field for us even of, oh, yeah, 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 that works. Wasn't sustainable, other problems off the field. Mm-hmm. But that height, that weight, that that reach, that athleticism, if there's a way, you hope Patrick Sertan and Adam Fuller can get it out of him this year and be part of the rotation, be part of something that matters for this defense. I think 
that all of this, really the larger conversation that we've had today, that we've had about Florida State's efforts to become a national championship caliber uh, football program team, uh, perhaps this year making the playoff, high end of our hopes, really lies the weight, the weight of that responsibility is going to be on the defense. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's an afterthought that this offense is going to be good. We could be wrong. You know, sometimes every year is unto itself. You never know. Maybe they have some problems. But honestly, it's just hard to envision what those are going to be. All you've done is get better on offense. All you've done is add more weapons on offense. You've gotten a better offensive line, a deeper offensive line. You've got a loaded backfield. You've got a returning quarterback who's already proven himself. You've got wide receivers and depth and versatility at the position uh, is, is it an elite receiving court? No. Is it a plus receiving core in the ACC? Yes. Um, so really this all turns to the defensive side of the ball and uh, Adam's got to be excited. I know he sounded excited and he's got some options. Yeah. I, I think this is a, I won't divert all the way to the offense, but I think this is a plus receiving core against the, the country, the, the whole, the, the curve of the country. Now, is it elite amongst playoff contenders? No, but they're so versatile there. That's going to be a fun thing to, to cover especially when you add in the receiving ability of the tight ends to, to the mix. But we were going to, we, we had prepped and talked about perhaps bringing a question to the attention of Adam Fuller regarding the running game. He answered that earlier, the, the, the rush defense to be specific. He answered that early. Did you notice mm. that he talked about multiple fronts? He got out in front, and that's what I was wondering about was, will we show more, more multiple fronts? And it looks like that that's the plan. It makes a ton of sense, though. If you have a Lovett and a Fisk, and Jackson, who he really likes, then Farmer and Lions and so forth, Tafasi, you've got a lot of talent in that defensive interior. He says we've used three defensive end fronts before, and that makes a whole lot of sense. They're also sliding Dennis Briggs back to the inside. I find that curious. Okay. If you're going to have a multiple defensive interior lineman front, then Dennis Briggs would certainly be a part of that equation because he's more agile. He's, he's quicker in case you need, you know, on a play fake or a situation like that. You don't want three dudes that look like Robert Cooper or who are just there to neutralize. But it makes a lot of sense, given the personnel that they have, that you can see Jared Verse plus three interior guys on the field at the same time. Or, he said, even a five-down lineman front, which, okay, that makes a whole lot of sense, too. If you're going to have two linebackers and you're going against a run-heavy opponent, maybe like Pitt on the road later in the year, nice to know that they're planning ahead for those types of matchups. Back back when I played, Tom, we call that the old 5-2. The old five run that five, two. And I love me a five, two, which is really a three, four, but that's all right. We run a five, two and I loved it. And uh, yes, to say, you want to shut down the running game. Here we go. Um, yeah. Let's get back to calling things what they are, man. Stop with all this Fox and robber nonsense. Here we go. Well, <laughs> if you're running a five, two, then breaks could be on the end opposite. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. Right. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, so that was fun. And I hope you guys enjoyed that. If you missed it and you're joining us late, go back, get caught up. Don't be late next time, damn it. Uh, let's segue nicely into a tub talk, Tom. I want to hear those bubbles loud and clear and thank our friends at Pinch a Penny for helping out. Here we go. It's time for Tub Talk, brought to you by Pinch a Penny Pools and Spas. Buy yourself the hot tub you've always wanted at the price you've always wanted from Pinch a Penny on Greer Street. Now it's live to the tub. You know, Tom, as we sit in the tub, I thought about bringing up this ugly, ugly situation in Alabama with Brandon Miller and bringing the gun that's used in a shooting, kills a woman, a mother, a five-year-old child, and the coach's subsequent for comments. Tub talk. Brought to you by Pinch a Penny Pools <laughs> and Spots. Uh, 
I thought of that. Then the, uh, then the Alabama coach saying what he said, looking like an ass. Not real sure I'm going to be able to see him survive those comments, those, as he put it, regrettable comments. Oh. You think? You think those were regrettable? All to try to win some basketball games, my man. And that they called Ray Lewis to deal with the issue? <laughs> what? I couldn't believe that. So yesterday, we were out and about, and I just sat down. I was waiting for something. My wife was going to get something at the counter at the store. And I read the tweet from, I think it was Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic, who remarked that Nate Oates said that when they, they had an issue internally and they wanted to look for help with a murder, that they contacted Ray Lewis to help with the fallout from the murder. I got to think Ray was not appreciative of that either. He's like, guys, I'm trying to stay on the down low. We don't need all of this. I don't bring my name back up in this. You know, it's like when Tiger Woods handed Justin Thomas what he handed him. Right. I'm like, right. Tiger, okay, look, am I offended? No. Will people race to their keyboards to be offended? Yes. But, dude, have some wherewithal with your track record, my man. What are we doing? You can stay out of the lane. You don't have to go there. Ray's going to be like, fellas, I'm not taking that call. And God dog it. Let's not tell the world you called me. What are we doing here? But I was going to bring that up. I'm not going to bring that sordid situation to the table here in Tub Talk. I'm not. I'm going to merely point out that here we sit a long ways removed. And I remember it very clearly. You were still six years away from being born, but of course you know of the situation. Today in 1980, the United States pulled off the greatest upset in sports history do you believe in miracles occurred on this date and uh, Lake Placid, as it were, over Russia? The documentaries have been great. The books have been awesome. The moment in time has been certainly captured in a movie that is well done. Do you know that every time I watch that highlight, the last really three minutes of the game, and Al Michaels uh, had transcended to another level of broadcast excellence, and uh, is forever known for the signature call, Do You Believe in Miracles? Yes. Uh, all of that. That one of the things that strikes me is that as five seconds, do you believe in miracles? And then, they, and then the, obviously the sticks get thrown, and the whole, the whole thing is incredible, and you just see the Russian players in shock that that just happened. They lose four to three. The United States goes nuts. Ruzioni racing back to Craig. You know, the, the shot of the father crying in the stands, which makes me cry. The whole thing, right? It's awesome. One of my favorite parts of that, every time I rewatch it, is what a class act Brooks was to leave to let them have their moment. How incredible is it? He watches. It's There's a couple of different angles, but the one angle is he's watching their celebration. He's trying not to cry. He's about to, and he knows it. And he doesn't want to be seen for that reason, and he doesn't want to take attention away. He just jets down the concourse into the locker room. It's their time. They did everything I asked of them. It's their time. Dude, that is an underrated moment. How few, how many times you watch it? I'm not blaming coaches. We all get excited and celebrate in our own way. But he knew enough to know and had enough wherewithal in the moment, the magnitude of what just happened. Yeah, and that also is a moment of I've done my job. This is their reward. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to be the absolute insert epithet, yeah. not, you know, insert yeah. bad word here. If I'm yeah. going to be that kind of a jerk yeah. to my team, then I can't be front and center when they do what I ask them to do. Correct. It, you have you have a balance to you, and that's that's nice because a lot of these guys don't have the balance to them. They're hard asses, and then they're the ones that race to the front of the camera 
and smile for it and get in the way of their players. It's you know? one of the reasons that we all love Leonard Hamilton. Yep. Go back and watch upset victories over Duke or you name it, to go to the Elite Eight, whatever it might be, and the calm walk over to the other coaches. His players are celebrating. No attention towards me, please. I'm leaving now. Watch him on senior day when parents surprise their kids and tell me that man doesn't have the biggest heart Oh yeah, of any coach we've had here in some time. Um, it's fantastic. It's certainly fantastic. Good work out of you, sir. Good work, Director Matthew. Our thanks to the Florida State defensive coordinator, Adam Fuller, for his time. Always appreciate that. And to all of you, be well. We'll talk to you tomorrow.